Good morning, church. I'm Richard Harvey. I'm the children's pastor here, and it's my joy to welcome you here this morning, and it's time for the moment that the kids have all been waiting for. Oh, I see them standing. Nothing's happened yet. If you are a child or part of the kids' ministry, know these kids are distinguished. They're very distinguished. I still see kids moving. They're very distinguished. They're very distinguished. They are... Um, but seriously, boys and girls, uh, you are, the kids are dissatisfied with me being up here today. They want to go back with the children, so uh, I'm, I'm going to let you do that in just a moment. Kids are dismissed. You may go. I'm going to try to turn it, I, you know, as a children's pastor, you have to turn it up to about 11 or 12 uh, when you're working with kids, so I'm going to try to tone it down to about uh, at least a seven or an eight today, but uh, it is a joy to, to be here with you uh, this morning. I had the, the opportunity to go to the Art Craft Theater. Has anybody been to the, the, the beautiful Art Craft Theater? There's a, a one-hander. So it's it's kind of like the Paramount, but scaled down. It's a beautiful theater. I was watching the Three Amigos, and then something very unexpected happened. The Holy Spirit showed up. Have you ever had the Holy Spirit show up at a very strange time in your life? Has that ever happened? He just pops up and you think, no way, Lord. Is it possible that you're showing up here during the three amigos? But uh, the, the Lord revealed a spiritual truth through the three amigos. And if you haven't seen the three amigos, let me uh, encapsulate it here for you for just a moment. The three amigos are three actors, right? That are, uh, they accept an invitation to a Mexican village to perform their on street bandit fighter roles. Unaware, though, that this is the real thing. The, the, the people who had watched their movies thought that they were real bandit fighters. So they said, We have to get the three amigos down here to, to stop El Guapo and his men. And so the three amigos uh, uh, accept this invitation to come down and perform for a uh, hundred thousand pesos and uh, the people who offer the hundred thousand pesos don't really have a hundred thousand pesos but in all of the movies the uh the three amigos always give back the money and say that their reward is that justice was done but they just so happen to be be fired from their their uh uh, their, their roles as the, the three amigos. So this is their opportunity to go and earn some quick and easy money. But when they get there and they start performing, uh, one of them gets shot. And he turns around in that moment, he realizes, oh, wow, this, this is real. These, these bandits, these are really bad guys. These, these are not actors. And you ever, you ever been going through life and just get shot? <laughs> <laughs> Not actually shot. Some of you are like, uh, uh, but, but life will come down and, and just, just shoot you and remind you of how fragile and dangerous it all is. But nonetheless, they had showed up completely unprepared for what they were about to face. And he goes to the other amigos and he goes, this is real. Guys, this is real. And they start crying. <laughs> totally not the heroes that anyone uh, thought that, that they were. Uh, the people, they showed up, but the people, the villagers, they didn't need actors. They needed actual heroes that they saw on the big screen. But these folks were just actors. So they retreat. Well, they soon realize that their old lives are gone. There's no studio to go back to. 
Uh, even the studio owned their clothes. The studio uh, owned their home. They didn't have a world to go back to. Their old lives were gone. They had a shot at redemption if they stayed there and fought the bandits. And they decided they were going to stay and fight. They decided to show up again, but this time not as actors, but as actual heroes. But they can't win, they can't defeat the bandits until they cast out all that they knew as actors and embrace their role as actual heroes. But the problem is they don't really know how to fire guns or, 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 or be heroes. All they know is how to dance and sing and be actors. And so it's been in my life often that I will show up and realize, God, this, this uh, thing that you've called me to is beyond my ability to do it. You ever been in that position? All the time, right? God puts us in that position and grows us. Uh, but God has a plan for us, an opportunity to participate in his kingdom work if we will but cast down our idols and our hopes of our own plans. So they create a plan, but it's not much of a plan, really. They just go back and kind of wing it. You ever wing it? That never really works out well, does it? I am the king of winging it. If you need advice on how to wing it, just come see Richard Harvey. It never really works out very well for me. Uh, they go back and they kind of, of, of wing it. They end up uh, uh, being separated and powerless. It's important to understand that that's what the enemy does to us, correct? Wants to separate us and make us powerless. My weakest moments in my life have been those times when I've been isolated and alone, apart from my church, apart from my family, apart from my friends, and that's when it seems like the world caves in around me. We need each other. The amigos needed each other, and so do we. Then seemingly out of nowhere, an airplane appears. There's more to the story, but I won't go into how the airplane appears. Just go with me here. There's an airplane. There's an opportunity for escape. God gives them an opportunity. We'll say God gives them an opportunity to escape. Have you ever been in that position before where you're just going around, you're in a lot of trouble, and then out of nowhere, God provides a way when it seems like there was absolutely no way? And they do what you do in that time. They just embrace it. And they, they ride it. And then uh, they're able to get the jump on El Guapo's men and go back to the village and, and get a, a little heads up. They still don't really know what to do until they sit down with the villagers. And they say, what is it that you villagers do better than anybody else? And they say, we sow. They think, Okay. Well, then we're going to sow. So they come up with a plan where they, uh, for that, that next two or, uh, two or three hours that they have, the, the, the jump on El Guapo's men, they sew up Amigo costumes so that when El Guapo gets there and his men, they see Amigos everywhere like it's a supernatural experience. They, who are these Amigos? They're all over the place when actually it's just the villagers dressed up as Amigos. And the Amigos didn't do really anything other than encourage them to do what they already knew how to do very well. 
and El Guapo's men, the enemy, flees once they see all of these amigos. The amigos empowered the people by celebrating their distinctive and assisting them in helping them be more of who they already were. You certainly wouldn't give the credit at the end to the amigos for liberating the people. And so it is with us. The Holy Spirit at work in our lives gives people an invitation to open their eyes to the freedom that they can have in Jesus Christ. A glimpse of their potential freedom, but we don't do it, do we? We must show up, but it can't be us. People don't need me, and they don't need you. They need the power of Christ in me. They need the power of Christ in you. They need kingdom people. And that's where we get into the, the bulk of our message today. What is the kingdom? Who are kingdom people? And what does this even mean? Let's pray as we get ready to get into the word. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your kingdom. We thank you for calling us to be a part of this kingdom. We thank you, Lord, that uh, your kingdom has come here on this earth and that there is a future kingdom coming and that there is an eternal kingdom that we are going to uh, enter into one day. Until that time, Lord, may we be your people and we, may we be found accurately reflecting the image of your son, Father, so that your kingdom can be here, present on this earth. We love you. We ask that you would uh, open our eyes to everything that your word would have for us today. In your name we pray, amen. So the central theme to Jesus' preaching was the kingdom of God. But I think if we were all honest, a lot of us would admit that we don't know what that even means. Would we be honest a little bit today with, with ourselves? Is it a physical place? Uh, is it uh, a present spiritual reality? Uh, does it exist here or does it exist now? Does it exist in the future? But don't feel bad because the disciples didn't understand either. And uh, the, the Jewish people didn't understand what the kingdom was. They were ready for Jesus to set up an earthly kingdom here, right? And they would no longer be under the rule of Rome, and, and they were waiting for a king, and, and the king that they wanted wasn't the king that they received. Even the priests didn't understand what the kingdom was. It really took the resurrection of Jesus and the clarity of scripture to, to put it all in focus. And the best way that I try to explain it to our children is think of going home. And what does that mean? If I'm on vacation and we go to Disney World and Disney World is fantastic and we have a great time and it's over and I say, it's time to go home, where is home? Well, home in, at Disney World is our hotel my family's presence makes that hotel home. Now, other people are at the hotel, but they're not a part of my home. It's a safe refuge for my family apart from my home. But for now, it's home. 
when I'm engaged in ministry, I take the kingdom with me as a kingdom person. I go into a lost and dark world, and I bring this kingdom with me. Now, um, there's another time when I, when we, when our vacation is over, and uh, we have no more days left, and uh, the hotel is no longer our home. We go back to home. I say, now it's time to go home. But the kids know we're not going to go back to the hotel, right? That would be silly. Uh, this means we're going to go back to our physical home, uh, a place where the rules apply to everyone who lives within it. And this is like the church, a place where we all go back together. We are all like-minded, and we're all together in one accord. This is our home. You say, this is my church home, right? And one day, when I die, people will say, he went home to be with the Lord. And in that definition, home is another, an otherworldly spiritual place. It is heaven. All of those definitions of home are correct. Well, we'll go a little deeper. The kingdom of God is the realm where God reigns supreme and Jesus Christ is king. In his kingdom, God's authority is recognized and his will is obeyed. Man's kingdom is territory, power, and things. It's temporary. And God's kingdom is present and future and eternal. Don't go to sleep on me here. One theologian explained it like this. God's present spiritual reign over his people and Jesus' future reign in the millennial kingdom. Another said it like this. God's people in God's place under God's rule. Let's look at what Jesus had to say about the kingdom. Are you tracking with me here? Hello? Okay. Three of you. Awesome. We'll do it for the three. We'll do it for the three. Uh, John the Baptist ministry began in announcing that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. Um, and then Jesus took over. And it says in Matthew 4, 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He made it sound very urgent, didn't he? Jesus taught his followers, followers how to enter the kingdom of heaven. He said, not everyone, and this is in Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. But one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And then the, Je the parables Jesus told illuminated the truth about the kingdom of God. And he answered them. To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. This shows that the Holy Spirit is the one who reveals this truth the truth of God's kingdom. If you're sitting here, God gave you a gift. And it is the gift of this revelation. But we're so used to it, we just kind of walk. And do you ever realize how strange it is that we're really a group of strangers, aren't we? Yet here we come together in this place, singing to, to God, giving money. We're not paid to be here, but we come together celebrating 
this kingdom. The one who denies Christ rejects the kingdom and will be subject to spiritual blindness. You can't see God's kingdom if you reject his son. Amen? Likewise, Jesus urged his followers to pray for the coming of the kingdom. He says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then Jesus promised he would come again in glory to establish his kingdom as an internal inheritance for his people. Some more verses in John 18, 36. My kingship is not of this world. He was not implying that his reign had nothing to do with the world, but that his dominion came not from an earthly human, but it came from who? It came from God. So where and when is the kingdom? You'll have to bear with me. I had a uh, pastor one time said, could you try please not make this so much a stream of consciousness when you get up and speak? I was uh, printing out my notes today, and I printed them out in uh, a Richard, 25-year-old Richard Font, and I needed 45-year-old Richard Font. And then I ran out of toner, of course, because that's, of course, when you would run out of toner. So if you see me staring, studying, staring at my notes today, I usually try to be able to ca- be casual about it and walk back and have it printed so big that a... Uh, uh, you know, you can see it from space, but uh, I had printer issues, so now here I am with the stream of consciousness before you today. Where and when is this kingdom of God? Sometimes the Bible refers to the kingdom of God as a present reality, and other times it talks about a future realm or territory, and this is where it can get really confusing for us if we don't understand that the kingdom is present, the kingdom is future, and the kingdom is eternal. The apostle Paul said the kingdom was part of our spiritual lives When he said, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. When we walk together in the Spirit, we are walking in grace and joy and peace and the power of God's kingdom. It's a life that is distinctive, that looks different from other people's lives. And when you see them, you know there goes a kingdom person. You ever see kingdom people out and about and you know that's a kingdom person right there? Perhaps by the way they carry themselves or the way they talk or the way they treat someone, you say, that's a kingdom person, a life that shines in the darkness. People know that you're a kingdom person without even saying a word. Paul also taught that followers of Jesus Christ enter into the kingdom of God at salvation. So, When do we become kingdom people? He, Jesus Christ, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. We were in a domain of darkness. We had spiritual blinders on and we could not see until it was revealed to us the truth of Jesus Christ and our salvation. And then we became kingdom people through him. And it changes everything. So before you understand who Jesus is and come into a saving knowledge of his grace and salvation, you walk in darkness. There's spiritual blindness. There's futility. The kingdom that you're working in is your own kingdom. You start to to try to build your career and your job and, and your kingdom of stuff. 
And then there comes a time, hopefully for you, and hopefully it's, it's, it's not later in life, hopefully uh, it's, it's sooner, that you realize that it's all folly. The Bible calls it folly. And it's all foolishness because it's all so temporary. I'm not saying quit your job tomorrow, of course. I'm not saying that you walk out of here today and go, uh, the preacher said it was all folly, so I'm just going to sit at home. That's exactly not what I said, is it? But putting, building your kingdom around your career or even your family is foolishness because it's all going to go away. Only the things of God are forever. Nevertheless, Jesus often spoke of the kingdom as a future inheritance when he said, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. I say, this is another passage of scripture that Jesus says, I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. And the apostle Paul says, then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The kingdom for God's people was planned before the creation of the world. If you are living in it now, you were seen in it then. God had a plan for you to be part of this kingdom. Isn't that amazing? It's a miracle that we're here today. Don't lose sight of that. It, because it's repetition and you do that thing, you come here on Sunday. It is a miracle. It is a miracle that we are here. God sees you. He knows you. He had a plan for you in his kingdom when he created the idea of a kingdom before the foundation of the world. His plan for all of us is real. To be a participant in the kingdom here today, a participant in the millennial reign of Jesus in the future, and a participant in the kingdom forever when we're in heaven. Don't lose sight of how amazing that is. I'm going to read from a theologian, so don't look at your phone. Fundamentally, as we have seen, he says this, the kingdom of God is God's sovereign reign, but God's reign expresses itself in different stages through redemptive history. Stay with me. Therefore, men may enter into the realm of God's reign in its several stages of manifestation and experience the blessings of his reign in differing degrees. God's kingdom is the realm of the age to come, popularly called heaven. Then we shall realize the blessings of his kingdom and the perfection of their fullness. But the kingdom is here now. There is a realm of spiritual blessing into which we may enter today and enjoy in part, but in reality, the blessing of God's kingdom. We get to enjoy and participate in 
a glimpse of what the kingdom will be. That's why we pray God's kingdom come. Lord, your kingdom come. Your full kingdom come one day. When, 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 when this earth is, has passed away and, and you set up reign here, Lord, we look forward to that day when you call your people home. But even still, Lord, we want to be active participants in the kingdom here on earth. So the simplest way to understand the, the, the kingdom of God is the realm where Jesus Christ reigns as king and God's authority is supreme. The kingdom exists here and now, in part, in the lives and hearts of the redeemed, as well in the perfection and fullness in the future. Stay with me here. What do we do, then, with this responsibility as kingdom people? One of my favorite passages of Scripture, Philippians 2, 1 through 7, says this, and this is uh, what we are urged to do as the church. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also the interest of others. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who thought he was in the form of God and did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. Anybody can show up, right? That's what we're talking about today, showing up. But are we present when we show up? Who are we representing when we show up really anywhere? Well, if we are his children, we are representing him no matter where we go, amen? We represent him no matter who we are with. This is why it's important when we show up to show up with that same humility and mind of Christ. Before Jesus showed up, he was prayed up. Do you remember the story when uh, he went into the town and there was all of these people around him. They wanted to hear him preach and they needed uh, miracles done. They needed healing. And, and Jesus did not heal them and he did not speak to them at that time. Is this because Jesus was callous? Was Jesus frustrated with the people? No. What did Jesus do? He got in a boat where no one could get to him. And he got alone with God. He showed us exactly what we need to do. Before we show up to be prayed up. Not to wing it and be reactionary, not to go into that conversation with that person you have a conversation with, ready to fight, but to say, first, I'm going to go back and I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek God's face, and in doing so, accept the humility of his son. People don't need us. They need Christ in us. They need us to show up with the weeping, to show up with the rejoicing, as it says in Scripture. 
we're reminded, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has a plan for you and things for you to do, good works for us to do, that often we don't see because we're busy in our own kingdoms. I don't, I don't want to be busy about building my kingdom. I want to be about building my Father's kingdom. I myself am satisfied, Romans 15, 14, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and able to instruct one another, an opportunity in this kingdom to build each other up. To sum up, we are called first to show up with God in prayer, to be obedient and passionate about pursuing his word. We want Christ in us here. And when we have the power of Christ working in us, we walk in that faith and humility, a true kingdom walker and a true brotherly love. If you are here today, we will walk alongside you. And when we are all walking in faith and humility, we have the benefit of seeing with all clarity. We have an opportunity as a church then to relentlessly pursue the lost, the broken, and the hurting. But that's part of God's kingdom. And we won't even see the lost and the broken and the hurting if we're all about our kingdoms. We come here on Sunday and we're reminded of why we are and who we are so that we can go help a lost and dying world. When churches stop reaching out, they become insular. They start that fighting within. When you have a common goal of introducing people to Jesus, you don't fuss much about when it's time to pave the parking lot or what kind of soap dispenser you're going to use. That's earthly kingdom-mindedness. You start thinking about, how are we going to do this better? How are we going to introduce these people? How are we going to introduce these children to the kingdom of God? How are we going to do it now so that they can avoid a lifetime of hurt and brokenness? How are we going to do it today so that that five-year-old can come to know Jesus and to know that he has a, a purpose and a life outside of building these, these wasted kingdoms of man? Let's figure that stuff out. I want to tell you about, briefly, about the people who showed up in my life, just, I promise, it's five minutes. And, and the power of those people orchestrated together by God. I, I had, a, I've told, I tell the story about every time I'm up here, that I had a grandfather who said, there's no one to teach that boy about Jesus. And he came and he picked me up wherever I was and brought me to church on Sunday. And he wasn't uh, a, a theologian. And he didn't say, well, you know, this isn't really my role. He said, I don't know who else is going to do it, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to show up. Because he was kingdom-minded, and he saw the future for me, and he saw, I don't see anybody telling this boy about the kingdom of God, so I'm going to, to drive. I'm going to spend gas money to go pick him up and bring him to church, and I'm going to do it every Sunday, and I'm going to do it no matter what. He didn't overthink it. He just showed up in my life. 
And as a consequence, the kingdom of God showed up in my life. I was exposed to the kingdom of God. And when I got to that church, there was my Aunt Shirley, who for 50 years has served at the Middletown Church of God, served little kids. 50 years she showed up. She still shows up. She's still showing up every Sunday teaching little boys and girls about Jesus. And I remember playing the, the, uh, uh, the Noah's Ark matching game and talking about our favorite animals. And she would tell you, uh, it's easy, it, it's not hard, I, I just show up every Sunday. The kingdom of God showed up for me through her. And I don't know that I would be working with children today if I didn't have someone who was constantly showing up in my life, that, that, that warm security blanket of seeing that person, no matter where I go in, in life, if I get back here on Sunday, she's going to be teaching Sunday school. My Uncle Ethan, who had been in, in, in jail for, for uh, many years over many, many different things, and, and uh, uh, we went to pick him up, and I thought, oh, I can't believe i got to be with this loser again. And then we get in the car, and then he turns around, and he points to the jail and says, just tears streaming down his face. He says, there's no, man, there's no one to tell those men about Jesus because he had, an, he had an encounter with the kingdom of God while imprisoned. And then it was all he could think about when he got out. He didn't get out and think, how am I going to rebuild my kingdom? He dutifully became an electrician and he worked hard at it. But when he wasn't being an electrician, he was going back to the jail and telling men about Jesus. But my 12-year-old eyes were open to the reality of the kingdom of God. When I saw this man who I thought would be a loser, he would never have another kingdom. He would never own anything because of his stupid mistakes. And then here he is going back to prison telling men about Jesus. What is this kingdom of God and how can I be a part of it? And that's the time that I was saved. A little bit later, I would get in college like you do. I would find that it's easier to not go to church than to go to church. And I took about six months off. I didn't do anything bad. I didn't feel like I was taking a, a break from God. But there were some things in my life, some, some tragedy that had happened, and I became a little bit angry. I became a little bit bitter. And there was this lady at church who people would say, she has a gift for making brownies. And cynic that I am, I thought, no one has a gift for making brownies. And then my roommate, who was still going to church, brought me a plate of these brownies. And I don't remember her name. I'm sorry, brownie lady. I call her the brownie lady. There was a note on those brownies. I ate the brownies. I think I, I probably ate them in two days, less than 48 hours. I love brownies. Uh, I ate those brownies, and they were the best brownies I'd ever had. They had the walnuts in them and also the chocolate chips but they were also fudgy. Oh, my goodness. But she had an, a card. She said, it said, uh, these brownies are for you, but you have to bring back the pan. That rascal. <laughs> she noticed. She noticed. Went to a church then of, of, of probably 700 people, and I thought, nobody notices me. But she did. She made those brownies for me. And I got my butt back in church. 
and I never left again. Don't underestimate the power of you showing up here today and next Sunday and the next Sunday and the next Sunday and the next Sunday. Because kids need Stephen Jett giving out the, the candy. Doesn't, there's no Jesus in that candy, but that kid needs to see. There's Stephen Jett. In this lost world, I can go to a place on Sunday, Stephen Jett's going to give me some candy. Then I'm going to go there, and I'm going to see Phil making the coffee, smiling at everybody. Miss Gwen's going to be back there being the Aunt Shirley, <laughs> teaching those kids at Sunday school. You are missed when you're not here. But there is bigger than that. There is a world out there that doesn't understand this kingdom that we get to celebrate together. My last verse. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. There is joy that comes from being a part of the kingdom that is indescribable for people who have not been able to be a part. Isn't there? Don't you love being here? Don't you love each other? Don't you love the Lord? There's an incredible power when we all bring a bit of the kingdom with us. And I'm so honored to be able to share in this kingdom journey with you as we prepare to enter into our kingdom homes in reality. Would you all stand with me? Let's pray together. Lord, I love you. Thank you for everybody here. Lord, I've overcooked your message again. Burn it a little bit along the ends. Boy, I pray today that, that, that your word will ring true with, with some folks. And maybe there are people who have felt ostracized from the kingdom or felt that they're not part of this kingdom. Lord, let them know today that they could be part of your kingdom, Lord. That perhaps your Holy Spirit was working in their heart as we spoke here today and they realized for the first time the identity of who Jesus really is. And they say, yes, I want to be a part of that kingdom. Maybe there are people here today who are just tired and say, you know, I've been dwelling on my own kingdom and it's stressing me out. I want to be back celebrating part of this kingdom that we all know together today. Lord, we ask that you'd help us. Help open our eyes to the things that you have for us. Help us to be active participants in your kingdom. And as I end every time I speak, I want to give you the opportunity with your heads bowed. If, if, if there's anybody here that would, would like to pray, these uh, front is reserved for you. You can come down the middle to my right, your left. And if you minutes there, there'll be a place for private personal prayer. No one will bother you. If you feel like you need someone to pray with you, come on down to, to my left, your right, one of our prayer counselors will meet with you. But don't leave here today without an understanding of who you are in him. And know 
that he loves you very much, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for loving us. We thank you for inviting us to be participants in your kingdom. What a joy. Us. You chose us. What an honor. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.